everyone. Uh, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. And we are on episode eight. That's right, everyone. We've made it as far as episode eight, which means uh, if you have been listening every week, you've listened to me for eight weeks. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me. Um, because I really, really appreciate it. Oh my God. So this week I'm talking about, uh, book five in the Nalini Singh Side Changeling series, which is Hostage to Pleasure. And I'm also talking about enemies to lovers. So if enemies to lovers is a trope that you like, that you enjoy, that tickles your fancy, well, um, I'm going to recommend some of my favorites. And I'll give like a little brief like, you know, a little, little boop. Not a boop. Not like petting them. No, a little blurb. <laughs> That's better. A boop. Imagine. Anyway, about uh, some of the ones that I've read over the years that I really, really, really enjoyed. So this week, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to talk about the enemies to lovers books, right? I'm going to be like, bam, bam, bam. This is why, even though these two people, when they meet, are like, bitch, if you don't die, that turns into like, bitch, I would die for you kind of thing. And then I'm going to talk about hostage to pleasure. And I'm not going to do a spoiler-free section like I normally do because I don't want to. Uh, I mean, the book came out, like, uh, basically a decade ago. So, like, if spoilers really matter to you, you would have already read it. You might be like, Esther, I didn't know Nalini Singh existed until this podcast of yours. Which, like, oh my god, you were so fucking lucky that you have so many of her books to read like i am rereading all of her stuff because uh, you know it's not june 9th yet but like you reader who have just found her you get to read all of these i mean if you binge read them it's gonna go by fast but if you take your time you've got a few you know a few months worth maybe even a maybe even a whole year um, and I, I, all I can say is like, you lucky. Um, I'm still going to spoil shit. My bad. Not really. You'll be fine. I just feel like maybe what I'll do is I'll start off kind of like general and then be like, okay, from this point onward, I was going to get like, but I, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. So, uh, I could pause here and then come, you know, put some like cute little noise sound thing that I, that I like listen to on anchor and then come back, but I'm not going to, I'm just going to dive right in. So if you aren't sure what I mean by enemies to lovers trope, you're probably, some people might be like, yeah, some people will be like, what, what enemies to lovers? Generally that's two people two characters who don't like each other sometimes can't stand each other sometimes truly honestly believe that they hate each other and yet and yet through the span of the book things happen things change and then they realize wait wait a minute i don't hate this person i might like this person and then and then (gasps) 
I love this person. And like just all of the emotions that they go through getting from like, ill, gross, and bad to like, oh my God, you're like the most incredible human being. And I am so happy and so thankful that we are together forever. Because remember, this is romance that we get happily ever after. Uh, This ain't, you know, regular, regular ass fiction. So that whole journey is, to me, absolutely incredible and absolutely fascinating. So we're going to start with a historical I'm really bad at knowing if it's like Regency or whatever. I don't know. It's a historical. What, you want to know how I know this? Because it took place in the past. And like one of the characters is a Viscount or Viscount, however you say that. And do we have that now? Mm, we might, but not, you know, here. Anyway, first book. Um, and actually, I just started reading this series. A lot of people are going to be like, bitch, really? Yeah, I did. Whatever. That's, you know, it's new to me and I'm so excited. So I just recently started reading um, the Bridgerton series by Julia Quinn. Never read, I don't think I've ever, had ever read any Julia Quinn before. Anyway, um, book two, The Viscount, who loved me, um, is like an enemy to lovers. We've got Anthony Bridgerton, who is the oldest Bridgerton, right? He is the eldest son. He is, you know, the Viscount. And Kate Sheffield. Now, Kate Sheffield is has a half-sister um, who's named Edwina. And Edwina is considered one of the incomparables of the season. And you're like, uh, what? So apparently, I don't know if this... Whatever. During, you know, the London season, the ton would, you know picks not pick but it would become obvious that certain really stunningly beautiful women would just be considered the incomparables or the diamond but you know basically the hottest chicks on the market to marry or avoid if you're trying not to get married um and so almost always it was like they had to be stunningly beautiful so edwina's like cutesy blonde just like stunning and gorgeous and her half-sister kate I mean, she got dark brown, not dark brown hair, she's got brown hair. She's just, it's not that she's unattractive, because she isn't. She's not some ugly duckling. No, at all. But in comparison to her sister, a lot of people are just like bowled over by her sister's beauty. So she sort of fades off into the background. And she herself believes that she's like not even like beautiful. Um, Which Anthony at some point is like, skirt, 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 skirt. (laughs) when I say you beautiful, I say you beautiful and like, don't, but I'm not lying. But anyway, I digress. So here's what happens. Anthony has a lot of sort of unresolved trauma around, you know, something that happened to his father because his father passed at a very young age. So he's like, you know what? It's time for me to get married, but I don't like want to love my wife because like, no, I'm not trying to do that. I want to have like a nice cordial, you know, relationship where we're like really sweet and kind to each other, but I don't want to love her or for her to love me. So he asks his brothers, 
um yeah like who's like the season's like incomparables and like i just need her to be like at least be able to carry on a conversation and not be dumb dumb and they're like oh edwina sheffield like she's stunningly beautiful she doesn't seem dumb i overheard her talking to some other dude about something and she sounded like you know coherent and made sense and he was like bet i'm getting i'm gonna propose to her and they're just kind of looking at him like weren't you just saying you were never what what so edwina and Kate, right? Kate is 21, so for this time period, oh, girls should have been married like a whole, you know, 12, 16, 18 months ago. Edwina is just shy of 18. Um, they live with their mother, Mary, who's like a lovely mother figure. Um, and there's just not enough money for like two seasons. Um, so it's like we're doing all at once so kate's basically like you're not just gonna come in and try to marry my sister because he's you know been classified as a rake and he's all like i'm marrying your sister like what you gonna do (laughs) what what you gonna do like i'm a viscount what are you and of course they clash and they clash and they clash and then things change and then things change and it is such a i really enjoyed this book um it touches on like both of their sort of like pass and like the stuff that they bring into their marriage it, it i it's i i've uh sorry book on hold from the library for the series i'm really excited for it i'm really really liking that this is like the bridgertons are this family that are like you know a ton family or whatever but they're not like catty or awful like they love each other and like then they fall in love it's great so the viscount who loved me julia quinn well, you know a book that you should read if you haven't and if you've already read it i mean rereading counts rereading is wonderful all right next on my list we're gonna go contemporary okay we're gonna go contemporary this book uh her best worst mistake by sarah mayberry okay this one is a lot and I say that because, okay, uh, Violet Sutcliffe and Martin Sinclair are our two main characters. Martin Sinclair was engaged to Violet's best friend, Elizabeth. Yes, you heard me. He was engaged to her best friend. Then the best friend, Elizabeth, breaks off the engagement because, you know, Martin was dumb. And takes off. Now, before this happens, when we, like, first meet these characters, Martin and Violet don't get along at all. Like, they clash over everything. He's, uh, seems, comes off at first very sort of stoic and stodgy and whatever. And she's very, like, kind of wild child, kind of. So there, she's just like, ew. And he's like, ew. And they're both like, ew. But they try to put up with each other barely because of elizabeth but then elizabeth is like fuck this i'm ditching him and i'm out because she finds out something unexpected so she pieces out and violet feels bad for martin which i thought was really interesting right it's like but you don't like him so why do you feel bad she feels bad she she reaches out he kind of rebuffs her reach out but then is like okay and then it turns out that Perhaps the reason they were so, so cranky with each other and like snipey, snipey, snipey is because 
There's some underlying sexual chemistry that is off the charts, ma'am. Off the charts. So then it turns into like, ah, we're just like kind of fooling around. But like, it doesn't mean anything, right? Because he is my best friend's ex-fiance. But uh, this is a romance novel. So there's going to be love. Love is is the game. is, is, Is the point. So they fall in love. And Martin is kind of like, I mean, kind of shitty that we did this, but like, this is like real. And she's all like, nah, we can't do this. Like, I will lose Elizabeth. And it, I think Sarah Sarah Mayberry does a fantastic job of having, of writing this story because you are rooting for Violet and Martin. But you don't hate Elizabeth because Elizabeth isn't like like some terrible, bitchy, awful girl that you're like, oh, thank God she's out of their lives. You also want so much, like you also want Elizabeth to like have her own person. So she does it in a way that it like it's it's messy and it's complex and it's so, so, so well done. So yes, her best Worst Mistake by Sarah Mayberry. You want to read it. You want to read this. And if you've read it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because honestly, if someone told me, oh, you're going to love this book where she ends up with her best friend's ex-fiance, I'd be like, mm, I mean, mm." but Sarah Mayberry has a skill, has a talent, and she does just that. All right. From here, we go on to another contemporary. And uh, this one was such a fun, like, it was such a good read. I really was like, ooh, yes, yes. So, you're probably like, okay, are you going to tell us about it? Or are you just going to, yeah, make noises. Um, Black Tie Billionaire by Naima Simone. Okay, so... We have, our premise is that our two main characters, Shay Neal and Gideon Knight, I love his name. I love his name. I was like, mm, Gideon Knight. I want my own Gideon Knight. Where is my Gideon Knight? Anyway, they have a one night stand during a blackout. Like, what? It gets dark and clothes come off and shit happens. In the light of day, turns out um, that Gideon hates her brother and like hates her brother and in some stories by authors who don't quite have Naima's skill this could have gone really badly but but she is 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 talented and it is so well written so well written so well written um Gideon and Shay, I mean, he wants to get revenge on her brother. So, he, you know, you know what happens? Some fake dating. Because, of course, we can't just have one trope. <laughs> Come in. What? No, we must have more. And, oh, it's, oh, it. I really, really enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, Naima, thank you for this. So, yes, if you have not read Black Tie Billionaire, oh, and I forgot. It's interracial with two people of color. That's right. 
Both people are of color. Shay is African-American. Gideon is Chinese-American. And I'm pretty sure on the cover of that model, ooh, I would like to run into him in real life. I would also like for him to, you know, be single, be interested in me. Then we can both ride off into the sunset. But alas, that may not happen. (laughs) Don't you like how I said may not happen? Like I'm somehow going to like track him down on the internet and make sure to infiltrate his life. No, guys, I'm not a stalker. I'm not going to do that. Bye. But yes, really, really, really fun enemy celebrities. Because of course, Shay's like, uh, my brother, you're trying to hurt him. And he's like, I'll hurt him some more if you don't like help me get one over on him and then they all in love yay love all right so from here i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take it back to historical okay and this one this is from an author that uh, is going to be at kiss in chicago in april this is from L- lisa Claypus herself then came you, and we've got Lily Lawson and Alex Lord Wolverton. Now, you know how I said the Viscount who loved me is like a guy who's like, I'm going to marry your sister, and homegirl's like, you're not going to marry my sister. So I realized after I wrote these down that that's eh, the same premise in uh, Then Came You. Alex is like, I'm going to marry your sister. And Lily's like, oh, the fuck you're not? the fuck you're not and alex is like why am i attracted to you you're not like appropriate i want i should be attracted to your sister and lily's like stay away from her um and she's just like uh, the chemistry that they have is like hello um and she's got a past and it's all mysterious it's really really good it's i really it's good lisa claypas um and it's like I think the first book in the The Gamblers of Craven series, I believe. So that it, it's this book where we meet Derek Craven. And if you're like, what? Who is he? Well, he has his own book and it is wonderful and you need to read it. And you're like, are you gonna tell us what it is? I mean, yes, but I forgot to write down the title, so I have to go search for it because titles don't live in my brain like that but it's okay i can do this i can do this you're like what she's crazy dreaming of you is the book with Derek craven that's his book we meet him in then came you but his book is the second one dreaming of you okay so now we go back to a contemporary, contemporary, you know, modern day today. This book was so delicious. So delicious. I'm talking about White Whiskey Bargain by Jody Slaughter. White Whiskey Bargain. Yes. This book is about uh, moonshine. So we've got our two main characters, Hannah Hawkins and Javier Mesa. And they each are the sort of the heirs of 
moonshining of a two moonshine businesses, separate ones. But there's a rival who's like hot garbage. And so they realize that they have to sort of come together to defeat this rival. And what is the best way for two, you know, rival families who don't like each other to, you know, sort of cement and solidify their lives? But through a marriage, a marriage of convenience, friends. That's right. We've got some, like, rivals slash enemies and a marriage of convenience. And it was so, so good. There is, ooh, there's a scene on the hood of a car. Going to want some water. And uh, you're just, you're just, I mean, you know, it's, it's a really, really good book. And... Just, just go read it. That's all I gotta say. Just, just if you ever read Jody Slaughter, this is a really good book. White whiskey bargain. Oh, you know what you should do while you're reading it? Drink some whiskey and or moonshine. Why not? Why not? All right. So those are the sort of enemies to lovers that I had in mind um, because, like, that's what I was thinking about um, as I was reading the Nalini Singh book. So I'm going to pause here, right? Going to take a little bit of a break, get, you know, everyone go get hydrated, whatever. And then I'll be right back. Okay. I know I said I wasn't going to do a spoiler free section, but then I felt bad. So it's going to be really short though. Okay. So hostage to pleasure book five. Um, we've got our two main characters, Dorian Christensen, who is a Dark River Sentinel. I'm not going to say the other, what I said last week. And then Ashaya Elaine, who is Psy. She is an M-Psy. And she is really, really, really brilliant. Now, this book, at this point in the world, so much is happening. Like, so much is starting sort of to, like, percolate and start. But it's not quite, like, wabam. And these are two people, again, in this world, all humans and changelings have still, you know, fallen in love and fallen out of love and at least, you know, been a part of each other's worlds. But side people have been like, we are over here and y'all animalistic weirdos and boring ass humans are over there. So again, a pairing of this sort, a changeling and a side is like, what? Hmm. So, these two people have decisions to make. Dorian isn't one of these people who's like, oh, the sign aren't that bad. He hates them. And hates them. Like, hates them. And then it's like, he's attracted to the sign. He's kind of like, the fuck? And then she has so much going on. So much going on. Because her whole sort of backstory is like, hold up, what? 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 And so when these two, they first meet um, in Tally's book, Mind to Possess, um, there's a scene where they've met. But this is now when we really get to see them together. And Nalini does, I think, a really great job of showing us how someone who has to overcome so much of their, of the sort of 
festering of almost like, you know, pretty close to a level of bigotry that they fostered in themselves against an entire group and having to come to terms with like, okay, so how do I get around that? Because now like, it looks like I'm falling for someone of those people that I was like, "Mm, like, I'll just die. Um, I think she does a really good job with that. And then we've got Ashaya and like what she has to deal with to sort of be the kind of woman, be with Dorian. And, um, it, this, I think, yes, this book is also, we get our first sort of, I, I mean, she's a single mom in the sense of like, there is no father, but also the way the side sort of do can, you know, conception and all of that and family structure is really like very obviously cold so it is sort of weird but there 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 is no father so we all start in are are sort of seeing like like what what, you know what would happen if you fell in love with someone who already has a kid and we get to see that in the context of this world um i think it is a book that really starts to sort of give us a lot not backstory at this point we're now starting to see how a lot of what we've learned in the first four books how that's now playing out in present day like we've been given information in the previous four books that now we're starting to be like oh that explains why that might be happening and that explains why that might be happening we still have shit ton of questions because that's what happens as as things are answered other questions arise but we're starting to be like oh hold up hold up this this means this and this might mean that um and i do think it's a really it's a beautiful book um and i don't know if i feel like i probably mentioned this maybe in the first um book the, the first books uh podcast slave to sensation or maybe just in general when i'm speaking about nalini but i think she does oh i she is one of my favorite authors to read in the sense that the way she writes about diverse characters and uh, I'm sort of speaking right now about racial diversity. I don't ever feel like, ugh, okay, like, why are you describing this person this way? I'm always like, oh, yes, I totally can see it. She's able to describe people with like different skin tones without like falling into the you know overusing the cafe you know coffee and chocolate analogies to death um i think she she is really good at that um and so i really really appreciated it and i mean i guess in some ways you could say this is an inner i mean because it's a paranormal, this isn't interracial in the way we would think of it, right? Because it's like, well, I mean, you have people with brain powers and people, brain powers, mind powers, and people who can turn into animals. But like, if we look at like, just straight up skin tone, Dorian is like, like, looks like a white blonde surfer dude. And Ashaya is like a dark skinned, like black woman. So there's that, like, I mean, and yes, again, it's like in the context of this world, so it's not the same as ours, but I just think she does this really well. Okay, so I don't know what else I can say about this book without like spoiling things. So I think I'm going to pause here. I mean, I'm trying to think of what else I could. It's uh, it's just a really good book and you should read it if you haven't. Um, so yes, I'm going to stop here. 
And then, I mean, I'd be like, okay, I'm back with spoilers. And, you know, you'll know. And if you don't want to hear about spoilers, then my session's not for you. And if spoilers are cool, then, you know, stick around. All right, all right, all right. It's spoiler time. Okay, so I'm going to read you guys. Um, it's a small paragraph. Uh, when the book starts, we get sort of, it's titled Choices at the, at this page. And it's just sort of a breakdown of like where the world is at, like what has happened for things to be where they are at at this moment in time. And this just really stuck with me. So I'm reading it to you guys because it stuck with me. Oh, sorry. Now in the year... 2080. The hurt has faded, the choices have been made, and those in the Sinet live a life of cold silence. Love is no longer something they understand, much less desire, because the love is to be flawed, and the Psi do not allow the flawed to live. And after reading that, I was like, Damn. Damn. I mean, a whole group, a whole sort of, you know, group of people were just like, we're just not going to love. I mean, we're not going to feel any emotions, but we're just not going to do it. And for the people who were like, I cannot make that choice. Okay, bye. And I, oh, I mean... How shitty must those years, those transition years have been, you know, 1979 through probably at least, you know, 1999, 20 years of like, and probably more. Because if you were born in 1979, then you were born into silence, right? If you were born previous to 1979, depending on your age, you maybe were, you know, but like if you were hitting adulthood already an adult like just the amount of pain that must have happened because of the choices and decisions that were made so in this book it's 2080 right it's been 101 years since the silence protocol was implemented and clearly clearly uh, things aren't going hunky dory and you know as 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 planned. And our two main characters, right, Dorian Christensen, who's a Dark River Sentinel, and Ashaya Lane, who is an MSI. She is so MSI stands for like medical, and she's able to see um at the DNA level, like she's able to look at slides and like as far you know with her eyeballs, not like with you know. Or with her, with her ability, um, and she can work at that sort of miniaturized level, which is like insane. Um, so we first meet her in the previous book, um, "Mind to Possess," which is Tally and Clay's book. She is the scientist who saves John Quill and Nor. Right? She gets them out, and is like calls and and is like 
I'm asking, I'm doing this so that you'll grant me a favor. And the favor is to get her son out. Now, at this point, our only other examples of mothers in the Senate have been Nikita Duncan, who was like, look at, was kind of like, if we got to take out my daughter, we got to take out my daughter. Right? Like, when the council was kind of like, oh, I mean, we want to hit hard. She was like, all right, like, let's do it. So Nikita does not seem like the kind of mother who has motherly instincts and wants to protect her child. Um, so obviously we would assume Asha is another MSI and she's going to be this, she's a side, she's going to be the same. She's not. She has always been trying to protect her son. And on top of that, so she is the head scientist on the implant protocol. And that is, the council is trying to figure out how to implant, um, essentially a way to start silence um, at the sort of biological level by implanting every every child born with a specific implant that would allow for silence to basically start then so we don't have to worry about all this like bonding shit beforehand that we then have to make sure that we do all of this stuff to make sure that they don't feel it later anyway but of course they don't want it to just be like everyone's equal because then they would lose power so of course there's going to be like different types of implants which is like oh so some people are literally going to be worker bees some people are going to be like mid-level management and some people are going to be like at the top oh what and so she's against it because that's like what but she is being forced into it because of her son now again you'd be like but like how does that work right if they don't feel why could how could they possibly use her son as leverage but even though the psi have cut out feelings genetic legacy is like hugely important to them right because they don't technically have any art or or they don't have the arts or any of those things the only thing that they can sort of leave behind um is their their genes in the form of children so the council basically was like what took her and uh made sure to make her infertile and was kind of like if you don't help us not only do we kill your kid but now you can't have any more so she was kind of like, and of course that is accepted as a thought process of like someone would fall into line to not lose their genetic legacy. And then we find out Ashaya is a twin. She has a twin. Her name is Amara. And Ashaya has, it was never really silent because of her twin. Um... There is so, there's so much there. Um, I'm going to back up a bit. Now, for those of you who might not remember, Dorian is, we first meet everyone in this world, enslaved to sensation, and they are trying to find out information on the serial killer who killed Dorian's baby sister. So Dorian loses his sister to Santano Enrique and is in the room and kills him um, with 
the rest of the Dark Hunter Sentinels that are with him at the time. But he hates the side. He especially hates the council and anyone sort of attached to it. Because as far as he is concerned, the council was letting these serial killers just sort of roam free. Because, well, you know, as long as they kept it quiet. And had they not had that thought process, his sister maybe would have, you know, not had to have been kidnapped, tortured, murdered. So he hates Psy people. But then he meets Ashaya and both the man and the leopard are like, oh, we may, we may, we may be attracted to this person. The fuck? And interestingly enough, Dorian is latent. What that means is Dorian cannot actually shift into his leopard. He feels his leopard inside of him, but his leopard has never come out. Um, so Dorian has in essence overcompensated and is like a brilliant sniper, like a weapons, like sort of like at weapons, there is no one better than him. Like he knows all things about guns and et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's a great computer hacker and he's just basically gone full tilt at everything because of the fact that he has never been able to integrate the two halves of who he is, both man and animal. So we've got a man who is a changeling, can't change into his animal, falling or attracted to a sigh, even though he hates all sighs. Yeah. Lots of conflict there, guys. Lots of conflict there. So when Ashaya asks for the favor, please save my son, he does. Um, the little boy immediately sort of bonds with Dorian. Um, and I think it's because he immediately, he probably, he's only four, but because of the way he's been treated, he probably already distrusts all side people in some way, on some level. And Dorian is like, I've, you know, got your back little boy. And so Keenan is his name is in the web of stars, uh, because of a blood bond, um, between Dorian and Keenan. And it's only a blood bond because, like, Dorian cut himself and Keenan already had his wrists, like, were bleeding. Because, like, when he was being transported, so sad, um, they, like, blindfolded him, earplugged him, and tied his hands behind his back. So, basically, like, total sensory deprivation for a four-year-old. It's crazy. Anyway. So, Dorian... Of course, Dorian doesn't look at Keenan and is like, ugh, dirty side. No, because it's a child and changelings are like, wow, children, basically you know, the one thing you don't touch. But his mother, Ashaya, is like, ooh, a council side, like, ew. So at first, he is so resistant to any, like, to the thought of anything with her because he feels it's a betrayal of his sister, that his sister would hate it. Um, and as the book progresses and it becomes clear that they're both attracted to each other, even though she's kind of like, obviously trying to find her way because she again for the everyone who's grown up in silence of course they're not going to know how to handle any of these sort of emotions and and how these sort of relationships work because there's no example there's no blueprint there there, there isn't there aren't bad or good or medium examples there's just nothing that's like because they don't do this so we see in this book we start to see more of sort of the rebel faction and who might be involved who might actually be a rebel we've 
it's been confirmed that Anthony Kariakis, Faith's father, is rebel. We know that the ghost is rebel. We realize Ashaya, on some level, is a rebel because she was like, I have to get out and I have to protect my son, which is not what you expect from Sai based on what we've learned so far. Um, and then we also find out um, in this book that some of the people, some of the members of the Arrow Squad who from are supposed to be the ones who are upholding silence are also rebels. Um, in this book, we meet both Aiden and Vasek. Um, Vasek, I think we see a few times in the book, he is teleporter that gets Ashaya out because to get out she figures out a way to take a toxin from some like tick and like does legit die but like not fully like essentially she applies the the concept of like cryo cryogenic suspension or whatever but like with poison instead of freezing but she comes back to life and this teleporter um, Vasek is a true teleporter, which what that means is as opposed to other people who it's like, like he, that he can go anywhere, care, take anyone with him. And there is no sort of lessening of his power. Like he is capable. Um, he gets her out. So as soon as we, as soon as you see that scene, you realize, okay, so Vasek, who is an arrow clearly is working with rebel factions because if not, he would not be helping her. There's also later a scene where um, there's a few scenes because what we're starting to realize at this point is that the Cynet as a construct, that network has huge problems. Um, They're still not fully apparent, but we're starting to realize something something is happening in the Cynet and it isn't good. And um the the reason why the silent silence was you know to get rid of insanity to get rid of the rage and all of the bad feelings that lead to murder and all of the bad things but they're happening anyway so what what something's going on so shia gets out she does a broadcast informing the populace of what the council is doing with the implant so that the implant protocol can sort of die. And she throws sort of a red herring and talks about uh, an Omega virus, which would sort of uh, get, you would not be able to procreate if you were um, affected by this virus. Um, what is pointed out in the book more than once is even though Psy, Changeling, and Human are act like they might be three races, that the basis of who they are is the same so you cannot make a virus that would only affect the side it would obviously spread to everybody else and then you know where would we be so we also meet the human alliance in this book and up until this point it's we've sort of felt like well humans like what like they don't have powers they can't turn into animals what are they and yeah, there are humans who just like obviously go to work and do whatever, but there are humans who obviously want power. Human Alliance is one of them. Now, it's unsure. From this book, it seems like they're kind of shit. They want to take Ashaya so that she can work on this virus for them. And 
Jordan is able to defend um, his mate and with the help of the wolves. But it's like, wow, you really sent all these people to die, essentially, because everyone that they send um, after just just goes bye-bye. Um, so it's, it's, so now we're like, okay, so we got humans trying to vie for power. We've got the council trying to stay in power. We've got changelings who are kind of like, I mean, we don't want to rule, but like, don't fuck with us. Don't touch us. Don't touch our kids. Don't touch our women. Don't fuck with us. So what exactly is going on? Like, whew. Now, Ashaya and her twin are fascinating because we've, we are shown in this book that just like how the net mind and the dark mind in the net Sinet have split and one is, you know, tr- essentially good slash positive slash you know neutral to a certain degree the other the dark mind is all of the negativity and ashaya is a brilliant scientist and focused on helping her people or not necessarily her people at least helping her son her twin sister amara is the complete opposite she does not have feelings and the dark mind essentially is sort of using her as a way to call for help. Now, I talked about how Ashaya has a son, Keenan. But guess what, guys? Technically, she's not his bio mom. Amara is his bio mom. So Amara is brilliant. Amara was like, I want to figure out how like how to get a vaccine for prions or whatever, which is like, so think mad cow disease and then think of like how to get a vaccine for that. But then she realized like she couldn't like get the mad cow to sort of like survive in a Petri dish. So she made a living Petri dish, AKA her son. But of course, Ashaya does not have, think of Ashaya as someone who literally has no feelings. So essentially, same as a sociopath so to her it's just like i mean it's for science i'll just cut out her plan was to cut open his brain when he turned five and like see what happened of course amara uh, ashaya or ashaya was like the fuck amara no you can't like just you can't what no you can't just bring a child into this world and then kill it at five to see so she was like why don't we like do this a long-term experiment to save the boy's life and of course so no one, they were able to, which I think is fascinating. And I do think that it also shows us how the net mind and the dark mind to further their own sort of means protect and, and help conceal. They were able to convince everyone that it was Ashaya who was pregnant when it was really Hamara. Um, and for everyone, for all intents and purposes, Ashaya is Keenan's mother. Um, and he calls ashaya mommy but he refers to amara as mother because he does know and i think it has to do there has to be i think on some level a bond between a child and a mother even though that bond is supposed to be like decimated or or just not exist i think that on some level it does so 
we're realizing so what this means there have to obviously be other twins in the signet so does that mean they also have bonds how what does it mean for them and silence how does that work because ashaya and amar are able to sort of find each other like combing beacons kind of thing with without like like the side net like it's it's a bond between the two of them period it's not even like so it 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 raises all those questions um we also start to see that you know the all-powerful council is not that all-powerful um because when ashaya does her broadcast about like what's really going on the side council is like okay shut down all the airways all the power everything Turns out, Snowdancer and Dark River had three, like, satellites that everyone thought were just duds. So, the broadcast does en- end up getting out. Not as, but it's out there. Which means, and eventually, they realize, okay, well, we're going to try to discredit her. Um, and then, she goes to do another broadcast. And then, Henry Scott, who is a counselor, um, tries to have her killed. And luckily that doesn't work but it it's just like what 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 is going on here um so we're starting to see like the fragmentation of the council we're starting to see sort of the realization that whatever is happening obviously whatever's happening in that signet affects everyone right because they are if you're the big sort of ruling class and you disintegrate well that disintegration is going to affect everybody the human alliance sort of wants to get in there and sort of like rise to power but are they any better we don't know we don't really know much about them except like they were willing to take ashaya um away from her mate and dorian was like "Mm, yeah no so what i'm gonna do is murder all y'all because y'all ain't taking my family from me um so when sorry i'm like where am i going with this um now, Ashaya and Dorian, obviously, are mates. They bond. But she still, you know, has this bond with her twin. And at first, Dorian's like, okay, well, like, if we need to take her out, we need to take her out. Like, she can't keep, like, coming trying to, like, hurt you because she's mad that you're no longer. And she is like, I can't, like, take her life. Like, I just can't do it. And then... She mentions it, like, he's like, I, I mean, you don't have to do it. I'll do it, babe. Like, you know, I love you. If this is the hard decision we have to make, it's fine. And then she's like, what will it do to you to kill a sister? And he's like, oh, damn it. I didn't think about that. Oops. And, like, there's a separate scene. Um, and Lucas and Sasha. And Lucas is like, if I got to take her out, Amara is who he's speaking about. I will. And she's like, you do that? And he's like, of course. Like, I mean, of course I would do that for because it's understood that like for dorian like if if he loses ashaya like to lose his sister and then to lose his mate like you lose him um because he either goes rogue and you have to kill him or you just lose him and so this book i think is it i really like this book because we've got this changeling sentinel who falls for a single mom who has so much baggage, right? She's got a sister, but her sister is like kind of cray-cray slash a mess. And he doesn't have a sister, but he loves her, 
this woman and that he loves her son. And I think that happens like so quickly. And then it's like, and so it's like, you get to see Nalini Singh, I think does just such a really great job of showing us how two people, you know, because I mean, Ashai is like, I have this baggage. I've got this sister that I, I can't kill her. I know that she's not a good person, but maybe I can keep her from being like bad, but I can't kill her. Not only is she my sister, but like, she's the reason I have my son. I just, I, Ashai is just not a person who could do that. Right. And she won't let, you know, her sister harm Dorian. And and I think the only way Ashai would ever have been able to kill Amara is if, like, Amara was in the process of killing either Keenan or Dorian and she had no other choice. But outside of that, essentially, you know, defense, she just can't do it. And then you've got Dorian, who is so, so angry. He's full of anger and he's filled with so much guilt because he blames himself for not being able to save his sister. And then he thinks, well, won't she see this as a betrayal? And I, it, you see at the end how he's sort of able to work through all of these feelings um, with Ashaya by his side and realize his sister wouldn't have been like, the fuck, you chose one of them. Like, his sister would have been happy for him for having found his mate. So it, this book does give us such a I think really cool sort of insight into like the level of the level that changelings are like feel that family matters and like how much it like that encompasses who they are and also just sort of the escalation of like the political intrigue, right? Because the assassination attempt on Ashaya, which is is huge, and sort of the ripple effects that are shredding because of that, right? Because um, the world is changing quickly and yet not fast enough, and the rebellion that has probably at this point always been there is starting to be like, this is the moment, this is the time. These are like there are different signs now. Another really cool thing. So I mentioned earlier, Dorian is latent, has never been able to shift into his leopard, but he's mated to an MSI who can see things at the DNA level, and his mate is brilliant enough to figure out a gene therapy. So they try it, and nothing happens for about three months. So about a month after it's or two months in, it's like, okay, I'm not going to be able to shift. And he's like, I'm okay with that. And she's like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, girl, babe, love you. Next. And then they're just having a regular moment and it happens. And it takes, it takes Keenan coming out and being like, oh my God, you're a cat for him to realize I've shifted. And then it's hilarious because even though he's like obviously so skilled and everything, he's never been in this body, right? All fours on the ground. So he's kind of like, I can't, almost can't stand up. And so it's like really funny because he's just like, wait, what? I'm, 
oh shit and he goes and he runs and he like comes back and it's like just this like sheer joy that you see on the page you feel on the page and you also feel because it's like he has suffered so much right so much and he is now getting like such a well-deserved happy ending so this book ah it's now this one I don't like sob but I definitely have moments where I'm like okay okay don't start crying it's okay you can do it you can you can keep the tears in the eyeballs but it's hard but it's hard because oh it's it's gut-wrenching it's a gut-wrenching book I mean I think all of them are but it's like oh oh my god and Dorian like I I feel like he is because uh, he could so easily have just been like, I hate side people and I'm not going to even give this girl a chance. And he would have missed out on his mate. He would have missed out on that. And who knows how he might have ended up. But he is somehow able to sort of and it takes it. You know, I think at one point he's like, I'm just what if I just like fucked her and then got it out of my system? I like how people like have this idea like well if we just like bang 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 enough times then I won't want you and it's like no girl that's not how that works and he goes from that to realizing like no this is she is this she's it for me um and then it's like who and she comes with a son who I already love so awesome and then a psychopathic sister wait what skirt shit fuck how do we do this um and just look sort of the compromises that you have to figure out make when you find that person um so really good book really sets us up for you realize in this book like something big is gonna happen something big is coming and it's gonna be whew brutal brutal but it's also like okay yes give it to us we're ready i mean we're not but we think we are but we're not um and i do think in this book all of the dark river sentinels are now mated with the exception of mercy right um because lucas has his mate sasha vaughn has faith clay has Tally, Talon, and now Doran has a Shia. And so Mercy's the last sentinel with no mate. Um, which is like just perfect because the next book, book six, Branded by Fire, is Mercy's book. And that is the book that introduced me to Nalini Singh. And ooh, I love that book. Like, love that book. So it'll be really interesting me to reread that one and talk about that one next week um but yes i really 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 like hostage pleasure um and it is i mean guys hugely insane fan oh random but not really so they announced like the sort of like big author for a polycon 2021 and it is Nalini Singh. So she's going to be in Washington, D.C. in April 2021. I've already saved the dates. I'm going. Um, as someone who flew to Paris to go to 
a romance festival in Paris because she was going to be there. Washington, D.C. I live in New York City, guys. I could take the bus. Not I can't. I'm probably going to take the bus. Maybe the train. I'm not going to fly. It's too short. So she is going to be here next year. Um, Because I also like check the appearances sort of like tab on her website every other day or so. And her only appearances this year are at SwanCon in Australia. And I was like, I haven't won the lotto. So no, I can't go to Australia. Boo. But I am okay because Polygon 2021, I'm going to be there. And someone was like, oh, KissCon might be... Listen, sorry, KissCon. You are somehow foolish enough to be the same weekend. It's not happening. If you're the weekend before or after, I mean, that'll be a lot of travel. But I can figure that out. But if you're the same weekend, I'll be like, whatever. Whatever. Because I have an Alini Singh, a Stana. Don't know if we have a stand name. I have no idea. But I am obsessed. I love. This is great. Um, so yeah. This book. Ooh. And if you've, you know, if you're new to the series, right? Definitely let me know, like, so far, which ones have been your favorite, which couples you love, which couples you're like, I don't know. Um, because we're starting to get into, we're starting to get closer to some of my favorite couples, um, and couples that I'm just like, oh my god, I love them so much, um, so, like, you know, keep coming back, guys, every week, because I'm gonna be, like, talking about these people, what, ooh, oh, sorry, (laughs) you're like, what is wrong with her, um, so, as I mentioned earlier, I live in New York and Word Bookstore, which has two locations, one in Greenpoint and one in Jersey City, I believe, had a Galentine's event on Galentine's Day um, in Greenpoint, which I live in the Bronx. So it was really far to get to from home, like to get home from there. But anyway, at this event, uh, there were, of course, romance authors. There was Adriana Herrera. um Zoraida Cordova, Juana Jackson, Maya Rodal, Kate Claiborne, and Andy J. Christopher. And it was such a fun event. I'd actually never, apparently this is their fifth year doing it. I'd never been before. I don't even, I I think only last year I realized that like Word uh, Bookstore had a romance book club in Brooklyn. Um, I think it's like the first Saturday of the month. Um... But it was so much fun. Like, you did have to buy a ticket, but you got a free drink and you got a book. Um, I picked up uh, a... Oh my god, I'm like blanking on the title. And I, li- like, I literally just bought it. But it's Adriana Herrera's book um, that just won a ripped bodice um, romance award today. All- that also came out today. You guys are going to be listening to this on the 17th. I'm doing this on Friday. Yes, guys, I'm recording my podcast on Valentine's Day. I think it's wonderful. I mean, why not? Why not record my podcast about love on, you know, the day about love? Yes, yes. Um, here it is. American Love Story was the book I got, and that's Adriana Herrera's book. Um, it's a male-male pairing. I'm very excited to read it. 
yes. I'm dancing in my chair. You guys can't see that, but I am. Um, so that was such a fun event. And I may have said this once before. If you're a really big romance reader, but none of your friends are, or you just are like, I, I want to be a part of the community, but I'm not sure like how to go about doing that. And maybe you're like, and I hate Twitter. I would never want to be on there, which sad face because I love it so much. But I understand. Definitely like contact, like go to your like indie bookstores websites and see if they, first of all, see if they have a romance book club. If they have one, that probably means from time to time they'll do events with romance authors, which means you'll get to see them in person. And they are awesome. Um, if you're in New York, like then in that case, Word Bookstore has a book club and they have events. Um, this is actually the second Word, um, event I've been to because in, I want to say late September, might've been either September or October, they did an event, um, at the William Vale, which is like bougie rest uh hotel in Williamsburg and it was like on the rooftop so you got this like the gorgeous backdrop of the Manhattan skyline um and who was there Sonali Dev was on that panel she's the only one I'm remembering Mm, what's her name from fix her up Tessa Bailey I don't remember the other authors, but anyway, it was a word event and it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, if you're in the New York area, New York City area, Word Bookstore has events. Um, Astoria Bookshop, I believe, has events from time to time. And The Strand only recently got a romance section. And they do sometimes have events um, in their, um, their rare book room or whatever. So there's someone to consider also. And even if, like, and then you're like, that's right, I don't live in New York. That's okay. Check, like, your local sort of bookstores. Check your libraries to see if any cool events are happening. And then I, last year, realized that there are, like, conferences that people go to to meet authors. I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out, but uh, it did. So this year, I'm going to KISSCON. um, And I'm very excited about this. I've never been... Um, but I was like, oh my god, like, uh, KissCon is, um, ho- is put on by Avon, so it's all Avon authors, but that means, uh, Lisa Claypas, Beverly Jenkins, Tessa Dare, Alyssa Colt, like, I'm, I'm over the moon. So I'm really, really excited about this, I'm probably going to, um, do a whole episode about the experience, um, but I, I'm also, like, going But what's cool is because I've like made sort of internet friends and I've spoken to different women at the events I've gone to, some of them are also going. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have like my best friends with me there, but I'm not, I'm going to have people that I like recognize. I'm going to be like, hey, Danny, hey, Aaliyah, hey, you know, and I'm not going to like, you know, just stand in a corner because here's the thing. We all love romance and we all love reading about it and talking about it. So just like all I'm saying is if you're really into romance and you're you haven't gone to sort of any sort of events don't be afraid to go please go you'll get to meet other cool 
readers. You'll get to hear about books that you either love and then you chime in and be like, oh my God. Or you'll be like, oh my God, that book sounds amazing. Tell me more. Um, I mean, yes, your TBR mountains, mountains, your TBR mountains will grow, but it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Just, just, just buy the books or, you know, borrow them from the library. You can do it. I believe in you. Um, but yes, I really, really enjoyed, um, the Galentine's Day event put on by word. I will definitely, you know, make sure to go next year. Um, and I think for like this like wonderful community i think i i'm just excited to see like what else we will see like in the genre um what other author what what the authors i love are going to put out what new authors that i'm going to fall in love with they're going to put out because i'm sure that there are people right now writing who are going to write a book that i'm going to be like oh my goodness holy shit my life has been changed. My life has been changed. So yeah, just wanted to um, add that in there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I I thank you. Like, I don't know what else to say, but thank you. If you want to rate the podcast, if you can, wherever you're listening to it, that would be amazeballs. If you want to leave a review, thank you. Uh, if you want to contact me, uh, you can reach me on Twitter. It's at Molesi, which is M-O-L-E-S-S-I-E. If you want to reach me on Instagram, it's at S-E-M-V, which is E-S-S-I-E-M-V, like Victor. Um, you can send me DMs. Um, that, that would actually be fun. Um, and we can talk about books. We can talk about romance. Um, we can talk about why you love a book, why you hate a book. I mean, we can do it all. Um but again, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait uh, to talk to you guys again next week. And yeah, next week is going to be uh, book six, Branded by Fire. That is Mercy's book. That is the book that introduced me to this world and this author. So I'm probably going to talk a lot. So sorry, not sorry. Um, they're also like rivals or not rivals. They're both, like, they work, they're from two, like, you'll see. So, I'll I'll probably have recommendations for, like, other books that are similar, like, in terms of trope. Um, So, listen out for that. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Oh, coming out soon, I believe it's the 28th or 29th, is Rebecca Weatherspoon's Cowboy Book. Hold on. I'm like, Rebecca, weather. There she is. Um, I was like, yes, A Cowboy to Remember is coming out February 25th, 2020. Black cowboy, people. Black cowboy. Um, she also, um, her book, Zenny, uh, won. Oh, I mean, I guess I can talk about it. Why not? Like, you guys will be hearing this on Monday, but this I'm recording on Friday. Um, so you're probably like, oh, what? Huh? So the Ripped Bodice, which was which is the romance focused bookstore in Culver City in California. They have the Ripped Bodice Awards for Excellence in Romantic Fiction. Um, and so the books that one uh, here, I'll read you. 
This year, they're honoring nine books. Uh, eligible books had to have been published in 2019, had to have been a romance, meaning a happily ever after or happily for now, at least, um, were judged by a panel of industry experts. And the books that won, the first uh, is uh, Adriana Herrera's uh, American Love Story, which I told you guys I got at the Galentine event. Um, a Prince on Paper by Alyssa Cole. Um, an Unconditional Freedom by Alyssa Cole. Um, Once Ghosted, Twice Shy by Alyssa Cole. So yes, Alyssa Cole won three times, but that's because she is also brilliant. If you have not read any Alyssa Cole, go get some right now. I mean, go to the library, download the library app, buy it online. I don't care. You need to read Alyssa Cole. She is a phenomenal, a phenomenal author. Um, Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert one. And I was like over the moon because that book is so good. If you want a book that has an like such a fantastic sort of representation of chronic illness, of chronic pain, like read you have to read Get a Life, Chloe Brown. You just just listen to me, people. Go and get the book and read it. Um Miss Martin's Incomparable Adventure by Courtney Milan. Um, Courtney is again, I mean, these are people who are writing books that I'm just like, holy shit, you guys are like phenomenal and brilliant and fantastic. And I hope that you are able to share with us your your vision, your your genius for as long as you can because oh it's so 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 good. Um and then there was The Austin Playbook by Lucy Parker. I've actually not read any Lucy Parker, so I'm going to start reading Lucy Parker by reading The Austin Playbook. Haha. Then there's uh Trashed by Mia Hopkins, which I've heard so many good things about, so I have to like get on that and Zenny by Rebecca Weatherspoon who I haven't read that I read Rafe Zenny appears in that book and Rafe was so good and the hero or the main the male main character uh Rafe who was also the title is a ginger with tattoos who's a manny oh my god it was so fucking good so Yes, they won the Ripped Bodice Awards for Excellence in Romantic Fiction. I'm actually really excited now to see who will win for 2020. I mean, we're only in February of 2020, but already there are so many good books that are coming out. Just thinking of like the women who are at the Galentine's panel, like Quana Jackson's Real Men Knit comes out in May and I I can't wait for that book, guys. It's about like like he wants to keep his adoptive mom's knitting shop open in Harlem. Do you know it's gonna be awesome? So it's like I already know that so many amazing books are coming out this year. So it'll be really cool to see next year um who wins. But yes, if all of the authors that I just mentioned, you've never read them, you have to. Um I'm going to put um I'm actually because I've mentioned so many books this episode, 
I think what I'm going to do is in the show notes, there's going to be the link. The I'm going to put a link tree link in the show notes and you will click on that and so that you can get all of the titles, everything. You'll just click on that and then it'll be like a, a link there that immediately takes you to all of the the people I mentioned and I'll in the um the I'm gonna make the blog post for this uh all authors will be mentioned with the book they'll be I'll probably include covers just so you can see them because they're so cool and you'll be able to then you know whatever um know what I what I talked about right because yeah I mentioned like the enemies to lovers at the beginning and then all of these so i feel like that's a lot of books for me to try to fit all in the show notes and you're gonna be like so i'd rather just you go to this one link and then boom there it is and boom you can add to your library and if you have read all of these books and have recommendations based on these books please reach out Please, 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 please reach out and give me more recommendations. Because you know what? A huge TBR pile just means that my afterlife is going to be lit. I heard that somewhere, but I don't remember where. So if you're the person who coined that, don't be mad. Just, you know, let me know and I'll, you know, make a note of it. And I'll be like, this came from so and so. Anyway, guys, um, it's late. I'm sure you guys are tired. Uh, so, ooh, and, like, Anchor's, like, the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. So, I'm, I'm saying bye now. Bye!